Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. So many great questions and today some answers. It's another edition of Ask the Guys, your questions and what we may think about them today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. listening to the real estate guys for a while then you've heard about the legendary investor summit simply put it's the highest level event we do and the content faculty and attendees are amazing if you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level consider joining us you'll spend more than a week with like-minded investors world-class educators and real-world professionals and you'll have a blast it all begins June 11th, 2020 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and get on the advanced notice list. We'll spend two and a half days on land, learning and networking, then jump aboard a luxury cruise ship for more classes, roundtable discussions, great dinner conversations, and a ton of fun. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to hang out with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 18th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. Real Estate Guys listeners, are you tired of losing real estate deals due to financing issues? Have you had enough of waiting on banks, lenders, and investor groups to fund new projects? What if there were a way to eliminate all the hassle and invest in real estate on your own terms? I'm here to tell you there is. Patrick Donahoe here from Paradigm Life. I'm an Investopedia top 100 most influential financial advisor, and I recently wrote a best-selling book about the financial strategy that changed my entire investment model, and the one that could change yours. To get a copy of my book for free and learn how you can maximize your real estate portfolio by acting as your own bank, send an email to mybank at realestateguysradio.com. Don't make another real estate deal without reading my book first. Email mybank at realestateguysradio.com now to get your copy for free. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist and co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. We have the best listeners in the world. We love going out to live events and meeting folks, whether it's somebody else's event or one of our events. And we love when listeners send us mail. And, of course, it's almost always email today. Although we did get a very nice handwritten note from Tommy Hopkins this week. He's in China, so that was really cool. Anyway, um, so today we're going to do another edition of Ask the Guys. This is where you come up with your great questions and we answer them. Just a couple of caveats. We don't give advice. We give ideas and information. And we're not tax professionals or legal professionals. So with that, here's how it works. You can get to the website anytime at realestateguysradio.com and click the button that says Ask the Guys. Then ask your question Back in the day, uh, these came in about once a month. Now, every day we get questions, and they're awesome. We can't obviously answer every question personally, nor even on the air, because one, there's too many, and two, as you'll see from some of the questions today, they're they're very specific, but what we try to do is pick the ones that we think appeal to a broad group of listeners, so we've got some great questions today. Question number one comes from Abhizik in Santa Clara, California. Hi, guys. Love your educational focus and content exclamation point an excellent way to get your question number first on the list is to pay us a nice compliment no we appreciate that he says hey i'm struggling with a choice between cash flow and equity growth investments i'm in my late 30s and would ideally focus on equity growth markets like dfw and central florida based on my goals however given the asset inflation and low cap rates today 
it seems safer to focus on cash flow markets in the North and Midwest, for example. You've also guided on making sure there is a safe cash flow buffer in recent times. Would love to hear your thoughts on this misalignment between my goals and what seems to make sense today. Well, it's a great question for a lot of reasons. First of all, we've never had an Ask the Guys question from someone named Abhesic, so that's awesome. And then um, secondly, this is very common that you have your goals, what you want to be as a real estate investor. We call that personal investment philosophy. We have a couple of exercises and some shows you can find where you go through that process to figure out what it is that drives you to real estate, the type of real estate, the markets, the demographics, the psychographics, the product type, all that. But once you figure that out, you've now got to find markets where those kinds of things present themselves. And that's not always the case. The market is different than that. You might decide, well, I want to be in multifamily. Well, because the whole world has wanted to be in multifamily in the last couple of years, those cap rates have been compressed, meaning the returns are not as good as they were perhaps at other times. Doesn't mean multifamily isn't a valid way to invest. It just means there's more competition. So I love the fact that you're thinking about this and you recognize, hey, I'm an equity investor by heart. But it seems like cash flow makes better sense right now. Well, I love this question because there's so much. We could actually do a whole show on this. But I think one thing to remember is that cash flow is equity. Income properties are valued by the income they produce. The more income, the more value. And so a common forced equity play or an added value play is to buy an underperforming mismanaged property, fix it up in such a way, not so a home buyer will bid more for it, but so that a tenant will pay more rent for it. And then you get a magnifier in the value of the property based on the increase in income. So I want to just clear up the potential misconception that equity and income are mutually exclusive. They are not. Well, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And his point by pointing out the markets, DFW and Central Florida, both very strong appreciating markets where the cash flow has gotten worse, as opposed to the Midwest where there's still good cash flow. But the point's a good one. It's not either or. When we teach on personal investment philosophy, we really try to not have people just say both. I want, you know, I want 50% equity growth and 50% cash flow. The premise is at certain times in your investing career, you're more focused on cash flow coming in every month, or you're more focused on the growth of your assets as time goes on. A lot of people are super busy in their jobs and they got great incomes, another income. They don't need cash flow. Another two or $300 a month isn't going to mean anything in their personal life. But acquiring assets that will go up in value over the next 10, 20, 30 years, that could be the focus. And I think in this case, this is a person who has said, I, I'm an equity growth person, but it seems as though right now that might not be the way to go. So the next part of this question that's really unique is that he mentions DFW in Central Florida. And I'm just going to hone in on DFW. He's quoting DFW as an equity growth market, which is true. 10 years ago, it was not true. Or maybe 15 years ago, it wasn't true. Dallas, in particular, was recognized and drew a lot of attention because it was a cash flow market. And over time, what happened is investors flocked to DFW seeking that cash flow, they bid the prices up. And so again, if you look at where you're choosing your markets, if you pick markets that are performing well, other investors are going to make that same choice. And as they do, the sooner you make the choice, the more of that wave of incoming investment that you get to ride up. 
And so again, this idea that if, if I pick a market that is cash flowing today, doesn't mean it won't become an equity market. As rents go up, values go up, and income properties can ride the inflation wave as well. The real difference between a market that is poised for equity growth and one that is more of a kind of a slow growth or stable cash flow type market has to do with supply and demand. If you look at a marketplace that has a lot of demand and a limited capacity to expand supply, you're going to get a rapid uptick in price as people bid for limited supply. Conversely, if you have a market that gets hot for whatever reason, but has a lot of capacity to expand supply, uh, there may be a production lag where the supply isn't growing as fast as the demand. And then eventually the builders will overcompensate and you have to Watch out for that too. That was one of the reasons we didn't go rushing into the Bakken because the the oil business up there made a big demand and, and it overrode the amount of available inventory. But there's plenty of room to grow more, and so a lot of developers went up there and developed, and then pretty soon they overdeveloped, and then there was too much for the demand. And then on top of that, the main driver, the oil industry, pulled back. So the idea of picking a market. It's just about understanding those dynamics. At the end of the day, you have to understand that in any economy, no matter what's going on, there's always going to be opportunities. There's going to be deals. The, the thing is, when you when you pick a market that you like the overall supply-demand dynamics and you feel like it, it has good drivers, then the next thing you do is go in there and you get your team who can tell you the difference between good part of the neighborhood and the, the war zone, even though they could be right on a line next to each other. And then you look for deals in that marketplace that pencil based on available financing, where you feel that you can get into that market and hold on for the long haul, because the real benefit of investing in real estate is if you get into pretty much any decent market in any decent product over the long haul, even just the loan getting paid down and the tax breaks and cash flow is going to make you a lot of money. And the odds are, and of course, nobody can predict the future, we could have hyper deflation. But the odds are, even after 2008, 10 years later, most markets have not only come back, but exceeded their prior values. Cash flow is the key to be able to hold on. It doesn't mean you're not an equity investor. It just means you're in a position to ride it out whichever way it goes. And I Hindsight, DFW could have been a really great market to get in back 10, 12 years ago. And it was because it was a cash flow market that got all the attraction that a great cash flow market does. That's also big with a diverse economy. And we saw prices inflate and lots of folks who bought back then on our field trips and so forth were very, very happy. But there are cash flow markets that are always cash flow markets. I mean, DFW is a top 10 MSA and it's got tons of diverse infrastructure and industry. There are places throughout this country and lots of countries where there's little old cash flow markets that make a ton of sense. A $50,000 house or rent for $650 a month and those numbers work, but that house is going to be worth $51,000 in 10 years. So this is the part about sorting out for yourself. And we're not trying to convince whether you should be a cash flow investor or an equity investor. That's a completely different discussion. What we're hearing you say in this case is, hey, I'm an equity investor, but the market really isn't giving me that. And I would say there are markets where that's possible. And if that is your primary focus, and here's why it might be, again, not to convince, just to kind of explain, your typical single family rental home that you buy somewhere, put a tenant in and have professionally managed is going to yield two or $300 a month positive cash flow. That's pretty much the number. In some cases, a little less, in some cases, a little more, but the majority of single family homes, that's the spread. That's the positive. 
Now imagine a $100,000 house that goes up in value 6% in a year. Okay, so there's a gross equity growth, if you will, of $6,000. Divided by that $200 a month, how many months is that? Well, that's just math. That's about 30 months or two and a half years. So if you start to put some math to it, the problem with a strictly cash flow market is that you still need durability of the rent. It may not be growing in terms of population and industry, but you need there to be a there in the future. We've seen some of these smaller marketplaces just go off the map where they used to have 90% occupancy in their single family inventory and now it's 60%. No one's built a new house in 20 years, but people are leaving in search of opportunity. So you have to be careful in a cash flow market just like you have to be careful in an equity market. I think the thing is, if you are committed to your personal investment philosophy, then that ought to translate to a commitment to find what you're looking for as opposed to say, well, this is all the market is handing me. I do think, though, that you have the ability to create equity and that may impact your investment philosophy. There's passive equity where you just let the market do the work and that's out of your control. So market selection, product selection, understanding the supply demand dynamic and the market drivers is really the key to success there. And then having cash flow long enough to stay in the game in case it doesn't work out as quick or in the same direction as you thought it would. You're probably not going to get interest rates working in your favor. They're about as low as they're ever going to be. I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't go lower. We got negative interest rates in Denmark. Alan Greenspan just came out recently and said it would. it's conceivable that could happen in the United States. So who knows? That's kind of a crazy world. But those are things that are outside of your control. Buying an underperforming property, buying a property that is on the bottom end of the scale in a market where you can bring it up to market and realize some equity without the market having to move because you bought a property well, those are the types of strategies an equity investor can take advantage of in a market like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's found equity too, right? I mean, here's the thing. There are a lot of appreciated markets, you know, the Bay Area, New York. I mean, there's a lot of places where that are appreciated. And yet, if you were to buy today, likely as a cap rate return, you're not looking very good, 2 3%. But if those markets appreciate and those asset values are high, you're talking about a lot of money. So I guess the big point is don't shy away from your personal investment philosophy if you really thought through it just because the market is saying one thing. At certain times, we have to sit out participation because there's just nothing for sale. This may or may not be one of those times, but it's a great question. Hopefully, it has everybody thinking about their personal investment philosophy. It's Ask the Guys Today. Your questions are answers. Question two comes from James in Phoenix, Arizona. He says, hey, guys, I just moved to Phoenix, and I'm interested in purchasing a single-family rental property. What zip codes do you feel are the best opportunities for solid cash flow and long-term equity investment? And do you think a possible recession will affect the Phoenix housing market and in what ways? All right, well, I wanted to include this question because of the second part of the question, but also to address kind of to the listening audience, the first part, the real estate guys don't get to the specificity of zip codes in a market other than the markets that we personally invest in. So we do not know zip codes in any market. Having said that, we have a great provider in Phoenix that absolutely knows the right zip codes, and that's kind of the way you think. Find a team member that knows that. So we're going to defer that question to someone who really knows the marketplace. But I do think the part about the recession affecting Phoenix, 
that's something we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really interesting because we had the uh, tax code change, and one of the big changes in the tax code were that the state and local taxes are not deductible on your federal income tax anymore. And I, I think a lot of people who lived in high-tax states like California didn't really realize that until they filed this last year. And also they're like, dang, I mean, this is really making a difference. And so that and probably some other things are causing an outflow of people in certain places like California. And I'm focusing on California right now because of its geographic proximity to Arizona and Phoenix in particular. And Phoenix is a major metro that offers a lot of the quality of life amenities that that people would want. Maybe the reason, James, you moved to Phoenix from wherever you came from. Uh, It's got a robust economy. It's got, uh, you know, sports teams, great infrastructure, education, healthcare. I mean, transportation. You could go on and on. Great airport. It's got all the things you'd look for in a a major metro. So somebody coming from a Southern California, except for the beach, uh, and you're trading, you know, the beach for not so much traffic, uh, is going to, is going to going to feel pretty comfortable in Phoenix. So, and because it's so affordable relative to a place like California, Phoenix and Southern Nevada, Las Vegas in particular, have been the beneficiaries of softness at the at the middle income market. So, middle class America, pretty well known, has been a little bit squeezed, and as they get squeezed, we've been saying for the longest time that they will eventually look to move to find a place where they can maintain a quality of life based on what's available. And Phoenix, Arizona, is in close proximity to to California and has actually been a recipient. I would say that affordable markets where you can get good quality of life at a better rate are actually going to be have upward pressure placed on them as a result of softness in the economy. Of course, in a rising economy, all markets do well. So I, I tend to like those those middle markets, those affordable markets that that offer the big big time amenities. And I would put Phoenix on that list. Yeah, I'm right with you on that. I also think that within the market, Phoenix is a big place, and I know you asked for specific zip codes, but know this, that within the market, there is a kind of a sweet spot. We call it recession-resistant pricing, where if things go well, those values move up, those rents are in demand. When things don't do as well, Folks have to move down a little bit from the A and B neighborhoods to these types of areas where we saw in the last downturn pretty good stability. Phoenix was one of those markets. Now, there were certainly markets where when the recession hit, stuff was you know selling for pennies on the dollar. And then there were other markets where that didn't happen, kind of back to our discussion on cash flow versus equity. But in this case, I think your mission ought to be to get with a great local provider that's someone who knows the Phoenix market, hands down. We've got several of those folks in our world. It's a market we've been involved with for a long time. And they'll know which side of the tracks to be on, so to speak, best school districts, best strongest demand for long-term tenants, those kinds of things. And then long-term, that's a pretty strong market. Also, there's a nuance, which is that the big players out there, the REITs, the insurance companies, the pension funds, they generally only play in the top 20 or 25 MSAs, metropolitan statistical areas. Today, I think Phoenix is number 11 on that list. So it's big. It's got infrastructure. There's a lot of stories in the market, a lot of reasons people and jobs will be there. So we like the marketplace. The only other thing to think about, James, is who your target market is with single family. Robert made a great point about school districts. Your property manager is going to know that, but your target market is probably young families. And so when you go into any metro, you have to figure out where do young families want to be because that's probably who's going to be 
your tenant in a single family home rental situation. It's Ask the Guys, your questions, our answers. We've got lots more. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Do you have a self-directed IRA invested in a syndication? Guess what? It's a ticking time bomb. Why? Because IRAs get hit with UBIT taxes, even Roth IRAs. Hi, I'm Damian Lupo, and we fixed this problem for you forever. It gets even better because using the EQRP, you can literally get rid of taxes from all of your gains forever and protect your nest egg. The EQRP is the best vehicle to get it done. IRAs can't do it, not even Roth IRAs. You see, UBIT happens whenever any type of IRA invests in anything with debt. Don't worry, even if your IRA is already invested in a deal, we can kill that tax. Our team at Total Control Financial is here to give you control of your retirement money and free you from that deadly IRA tax forever. Want to learn more about the EQRP? Send an email to eqrp at realestateguysradio.com. I'll email you my special report and send you a copy of the QRP book. Paying a 37% UBIT tax is stupid. First step to getting rid of that tax is to send an email to eqrp at realestateguysradio.com today. Hi, this is Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Have fun. You'll learn something. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Heard every weekend on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. If you've got a question for The Real Estate Guys, just go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click Ask the Guys and fire away. We have kind of a question that overlaps a little bit with the last two things we were talking about, and it really didn't come via Ask the Guys. We had someone request information from one of our providers, and they responded to that email saying, hey, I'm really interested in the Space Coast. That's the area in Florida that's near Cape Canaveral and so forth. But I'm a little cautious about Florida right now because I think there may be a recession coming, and I'd love to buy property with cash when it hits. Florida was one of the hardest hit in the last recession, losing 50% of property value, which would be a great time to buy. All right. Well, that question comes, by the way, from M, who I guess is no longer as busy since she's out of the James Bond movies. <laughs> uh, anyway, M, I, th I think here's the thing. There is definitely a recession coming. I mean, that's always true, right? whether it's a year from now, a month from now, 10 years from now. I mean, that's what happens in cycles. In the last cycle, you're right, Florida was among the poster children. Part of that was because those markets went up a lot, and that was due to the underlying demand in Florida, which is huge. Retirees, it is the number one state in the United States 
for baby boomers to move to when they retire. More than 20% of all baby boomers have said in many, many different polls, that's where they're going, to Florida and the Florida market. So that's strong. But because of that, prices got bid way up, stuff got built way up. We were, you know, doing field trips to Miami when it was high-rise mania, and then boom, in the recession, prices came way down. And you're right, a great time to be a buyer is when a market has gone down 50% and you have cash. But if that's the only play in your playbook, you're not going to be in the game very often because the times when we can buy 50 cents on the dollar for cash are few and far between. We know a lot of folks who have been waiting for the last year, two years, four years for that to happen, assuming that all the sky is falling, pundits are correct, and that we're about to break open any day, and it just hasn't happened. Russ and I are not smart enough to know when it's going to happen, but we are smart enough now to know it's going to happen. So you're thinking the right way about what is going to do well in a recession. I think one of the positives about Central Florida is the diversity of the industry there. And again, back to this theme, when you have a lot of stories in a marketplace, that creates resiliency in a market downturn. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that uh, you can't time a market. You don't know where the top is. You don't know where the bottom is. You cannot get on base if you stand at the plate and never swing at a pitch. So you you need to be in the game. And the key is, is to every deal you do, make sure it's a, a good deal at the time that you're making the deal. And that you're in a position to be able to hold it for the long haul. If you're purchasing real estate with the idea that I'm going to hold it for a year or two, I'm going to buy cheap, buy low, sell high, then yes, you're going to have to be concerned with market timing. And that's a very dangerous game to play. Probably not really investing. It's more speculating on, on real estate, especially if you're depending on things that are outside your control, like interest rates or what's going to happen in the economy. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. You, you just never know what's going to happen. But you can look at an individual market and say, okay, what does this market have going on? Space Coast in particular. I mean, one of the big things, because I remember doing that show, is how much investment is going into the space sector. We're talking, you know, the president is talking about the space force and there's been all this talk about uh, hypersonic weapons. There's all kinds of private business getting into the space race, if you will. Uh, and so there's just probably a lot of money headed into certain geographies that are capable of supporting that. And one of the things we learned in that is that that geography is unique. So when you're out there looking in the marketplace, what you're looking for is a deal that makes sense that you can put financing and have uh, predictable rents to cover uh, that you can hold on for the long haul. Now, does that mean it's not going to go down in value? No, it could. It might go down in value before it goes up. It might go down for three, four, five years. And you may just have to hold on to it and collect those rents and pay that mortgage and wait. And 10, 15 years from now, you're probably going to be happy. His history says that Pretty much any 10-year cycle, no matter when you buy, if you buy at the top within 10 years, you're going to be back. And if you buy at the bottom, you're going to be really, really happy. But, you know, you could ride it all the way back around to the bottom again. So, you know, you grab the equity out of the properties when it's there and get it reinvested when you can. You always make sure that you have financing and cash flows in place that you can sustain uh, an extended period of time just in case the market changes on you. But if the deal makes sense at the time you buy it and you know you can handle it and you've done your homework on the market and the market makes sense compared to what else is available. To Robert's point earlier, Florida, especially Central Florida, in today's environment, 
that'd be a tough market to bet against. You've got the demographics of the baby boomers coming out of New York and the Northeast. You've got the no-tax environment, which is extremely important right now that people have lost, as I mentioned earlier, the state and local tax deduction. You've got all this investment going into the uh, space part of things. And you've got Florida in particular is one of the places where international money likes to park money. So this just, I mean, I could go on and on about Central Florida, but the, the, the point is, is that the market makes sense and the deal makes sense and you're prepared to hold on, then you keep adding those to your portfolio over time, you're going to be fine. If you don't add things to your portfolio, you can't make any money on a property you don't own. So you're not looking for a reason to say no, you're looking for reasons to say yes, you just don't want to buy stupid. So be smart about it and make sure the number's pencil. But once you're in, just be happy that you own something. 20 years from now, I think you're going to look back and go, you know what, I'm glad I did that. And again, rather than just say, I'm going to buy in the Space Coast, think about recession resistance. Of all the things you could buy, buying something a little lower down on the scale might be a good way to wait things out. And of course, leverage can work in your favor as well. Hey, if you're interested in what's going on in Central Florida, our friend Gene Gillen has some great educational stuff on that. Just send an email to centralflorida at realestateguysradio.com, centralflorida at realestateguysradio.com. It's Ask the Guys, your questions, our answers. This next question comes from Larry in Folsom, California. Hey guys, what do you think about the notes business? Then he's got a follow-up question, which is, and what do you think about the notes business as a real estate business? So let's first cover what that is, and then I'll toss it to the financial strategist because I know he's going to have an opinion about this. Some people like to invest in the property. Some people like to invest in the financing. And the note business means that you are either writing mortgages or carrying back mortgages or placing private notes or buying secondhand uh, notes that are loans. And you get the note and you get the interest and you have the collateral against the property. There's two primary reasons people invest in notes. Some people invest in notes because they want the yield. They want the interest rate, which often can be higher than traditional or conventional mortgages. And that's what they're after, that 6, 7, 8, 10% return. Some people invest in notes or make hard money loans because what they really want is the property. So they make a loan to someone who is in need and hey, if they pay it off, great. If they don't, they end up with the property. So that's kind of the two ends of it. Let's start with the first one, the notes business as a business. Yeah, so the note business is an interesting business. Obviously, some people like it because you are able to derive income without the hassle of landlording, without the capital risk of the property going down in value. But that doesn't mean note investing is without capital risk, depending yep. on if you think you want to sell the note after you buy it. And so let's talk a little bit about how that works. When you make a loan out of your own funds and you make it to a quality borrower with quality collateral and they make the payments and you just hold it until it's paid off, you're just buying it for what's called the coupon rate or the yield, the uh, the interest. And eventually you get your money back. It's not super sexy, but like I said, it's kind of, you know, not a ton of hassle uh, as long as you don't have to get in the collections or foreclosure business. Where the real money gets made in notes is when you're trading in notes and you're using distressed property. So you might go in and lend to somebody, as Robert mentioned, who is uh, maybe not a prime borrower or in a, not in an ideal situation. And so they're going to pay a premium. So you're going to get a little bit of extra interest and maybe a little bit of extra protective equity. They're going to make a bigger down payment. That's called hard money. You can take it a step further and 
you can purchase loans from people who own them already and have decided for whatever reason they don't want them. They said, well, I've, I've made this loan, maybe an owner carry back. They said, I'm going to collect this over a period of time. And all of a sudden they say, oh, you know what? I, all of a sudden I want a bunch of cash. And so I'm going to try and sell this note to somebody. And now the way you calculate your yield, I won't get into the math on it, but basically you offer them a discount to the face value of the note. So you're going to get paid back more than you lend plus and that that difference in the discount is added to the interest that the person's going to pay and that can bring your yield up quite a bit it's not unusual to see 20 30 40 percent gains on those when you get a big enough discount and if someone's desperate enough for cash you know it's like found equity in a property a, a don't wanter of a note is like a don't wanter of a property and you can get forced equity in that deal another way is to buy notes that are non-performing notes that aren't even working at all and you buy them for pennies on the dollar in the hopes that you can either rehab them and get the person paying again, or that you're going to be successful in foreclosing on the collateral and the collateral is worth having. You might say, well, why would anybody who uh, could foreclose get rid of it? Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they bought it for pennies on the dollar. So there's a lot of different ways to, to get involved on in the note side of the business for people who aren't interested in dealing with as much of the real estate side and the tenant side. You're still dealing with people because you've got borrowers and you're still dealing with real estate because you've got collateral. But it's not quite the same thing because you don't have the landlord responsibilities. You do have the debt collection responsibilities. There's also the same risk reward balance ratio that you have to think about when you're investing in anything really. And, you know, we've known people that have bought second notes, which you literally buy at a tremendous discount because the likelihood of someone paying their second off is much lower, especially those seconds that were made before the last crash and the values aren't even back to that. But we know a couple of people that have had great success buying those seconds for literally pennies on the dollars and then working with the people in a very proactive way to make those notes perform. So it's beyond today's topic, but we do like the note business. And I think it does give some of the advantages that Russ talked about. Do we like it as a real estate business? I'm not a big fan of that. And this is just my personal investment philosophy is I don't want to make a bunch of money because someone couldn't make a loan and had to be foreclosed upon. I don't want to spend my life energy around foreclosing on loans and notes. I just, that's, it's messy. It's ugly. If you're a combative personality and you like a win lose, it might work for you, but I, I don't like it as a real estate business but I love it as a cash flow business. There's one other component to it, Robert, and that is that is that it's a way to gain control of a property. If, if you're out there and you're thinking, hey, I want to play the pre-foreclosure game, again, to your point, Robert, you're dealing with distress, but rather than go in there and wait for the house to go into foreclosure and bid on it on the courthouse stats, if you can buy the note... Uh, that's in trouble, then then you can use it to actually acquire the property. And so sometimes people don't buy it to flip the note or even to deal with the note. They use it simply as a, the short path to gain control of the property before it's on the, on the courthouse steps. Thanks, Larry, for the question. It's Ask the Guys. Your questions are answers. We come back. We're going to ask you a question as we play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. When it comes to successful rental property investing, it pays to be picky. Pick the right markets, pick profitable properties, and pick great property management. That's easier said than done, but we've got great news. Jerry Curran and his rock star team at Mid-South Homebuyers are going strong in Memphis, Tennessee, and Little Rock, Arkansas, too. So for a top-notch turnkey single-family home rental property, whether you're a new investor or have a large portfolio already, 
Pick Terry Kerr and Mid-South for a truly A-plus investing experience. To learn more, send an email to Mid-South at realestateguysradio.com. That's Mid-South at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, it's Robert Helms. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I want to personally invite you to come see an amazing real estate market that combines excellent cash flow, offshore diversification, and what we affectionately call lifestyle investing. Come join me from November 15th to 18th in the beautiful country of Belize. The Real Estate Guys have been bringing investors to Belize for more than 14 years now, and our discovery trip is designed to show you the market like nobody else can. Sure, Belize is breathtakingly beautiful. The people are wonderful, and wait till you taste the food. But the real opportunity is the real estate investment potential. 2018 was the biggest year in tourism Belize has ever witnessed, and this year is coming on strong. How does that translate to real estate investment? That's what you have to come see. There's all types of opportunity in Belize, including both long and short-term rentals, commercial and retail triple net properties, business opportunities, land acquisition, development, agriculture, and more. And as the only country in Latin America with English as its official language, it's easy to understand the law. Property rights are strong and contracts are in English. And in Ambergris Key, a unique situation exists where demand for rentals continues to outstrip supply, creating a compelling environment for investors. So come see for yourself. Join me November 15th through 18th in Ambergris Key, Belize, as we study the market, learn about the sustainable drivers, and tour lots of beautiful real estate. And like all of our field trips, there are no properties for sale during the weekend. Rather, you'll meet lots of local providers that will help educate you about the market so that you can follow up with them after the trip if the market is interesting to you. But that ball's in your court. You'll receive their contact details, but they won't receive yours unless you give it to them. You've heard about Believes in the Real Estate Guys for all these years. Now come see what all the excitement is about. Plus, we'll have lots of time over meals and activities to talk about all things real estate. To get the details, go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on events where you'll find the Belize Discovery Trip. Once you register, you'll get information about our group hotel rates as well as travel details. So join me in Belize, November 15th through 18th. It's a beautiful country with lots of amazing possibilities and the only thing missing is you. Go to realestateguysradio.com under events. I look forward to seeing you in beautiful Belize. Hello, everybody. Uh, David Stockman. Uh, I'm the author of the Contra Corner blog, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you ever want to do bigger deals using other people's money, well, the Secrets of Successful Syndication is right around the corner. It's our two-day event. Happens just twice a year. This one's in Dallas, Texas, and it's filling up. Over 200 people will be there. Add your name to the list by going to realestateguysradio.com and checking under events for the secrets of successful syndication. Our show today is Ask the Guys, questions from our listeners and the answers we deem fit. Before we get on with some more great questions, it's time to ask you a question as we play Real Estate Trivia. We do this halfway through every show. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In a minute, you'll hear the question. When you think you know the answer, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Also include your name and your physical mailing address because if you're the winner, we have this awesome new book for you called Desire, Discipline, and Determination. It's a collection of great stories from incredible folks put together by our good friend Kyle Wilson. That could be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week, we had Gene Garino on the show talking about senior housing and, in fact, residential assisted living. We asked this, the Golden Girls TV show 
aired a total of 180 half-hour episodes spanning seven different seasons. It, of course, featured four older women who lived together. In what real estate market did they reside? Well, lots of folks knew it's Miami, Florida. The Golden Girls lived in Miami, Florida. That show aired on NBC from September 14th, 1985 to May 9th, 1992 and starred Beatrice Arthur, Betty White, Rue McClanahan, and Estelle Getty. What's interesting is the oldest actress of the four, Betty White, is the only one still alive today. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. And this is a classic real estate trivia question, so rush to your email browser. The street names in the original game of Monopoly refer to actual places in a real city. Which one? Which actual city are the street names in Monopoly named after? If you know or just want to guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, your mailing address, and the answer to the question. Because if you're the first one that gets it right, you're going to get this awesome book, Desire, Discipline, and Determination. That's today's real estate trivia question. It's Ask the Guys. Your questions are answers. Here's the next question. This comes from Bernard in Nairobi, Kenya. Hey, guys, how can I invest without using my money in a multi-million dollar housing project in my country of Kenya? All right, Bernard. Well, first of all, thanks for listening all the way in Kenya. Uh, and this is a great topic because so many times people are limited in what they do in their real estate lives by the amount of money they have. But you're right off the bat, how do I do this without my own money? And that is, of course, using other people's money. Two general categories. One would be a bank. Banks and development funds and all kinds of folks are geared to loan money for projects like this. And the other is private equity, which could be from a firm or could be through our favorite mechanism, real estate syndication. Yeah, I mean, what you really have to look at at the end of the day is you want to do this deal because you believe that there is profit to be made or you shouldn't be doing it. And if there's enough profit to be made, then there ought to be, especially on a big project, then there's probably enough profit to share either with a lender or with an equity partner or a combination of both. You may raise some equity and then you may then invest that equity as the down payment and then go get a loan. Don't know what the lending environment is in Kenya. And I don't know how many potential investors there are in Kenya, but there are people all over the world that are looking for good deals anywhere in the world if they make sense. And just the fact that you're listening to the Real Estate Guys radio show in Kenya is a testament to the fact that you can find people all over the world because we live in a very connected age. So I think it just starts with understanding your market does the market make sense for this particular project and be able to tell that story? The second thing is put together a team of people that are credible uh, in terms of managing the property and executing whatever needs to be done to bring this deal to fruition and have it be successful and then be prepared to sell that team or tell the story of the team. And then once you have those two things, obviously work with your team to put the numbers together on the deal and make sure that every component of the deal in a multi-million dollar deal Pencils, check all your inputs, all your assumptions, try to use third-party backup and 
really paper your file, if you will, so you can show someone that you've done your homework, you just didn't make numbers up, and then put together your business plan, work with your local legal teams to figure out whatever, if there are any, uh, securities or money raising or money borrowing, whatever the rules are of engagement with with, uh, third-party money in your part of the world. Figure that out. Those people should be on your team. And then uh, when you figure out what the deal is capable of, how big the pie is, then you just have to decide how you're going to slice that pie up and share the profitability of the deal with the different people and what's it going to take to get them to the table. Once you've got everybody to the table that you need to make the deal happen, you hope there's something at the bottom line that's left over for you. On a multi-million dollar deal, especially if it's your first deal, it doesn't have to be much. Yes, you're in the business to make money, but you're also in the business to go through the experience of doing all this, building the team, getting something on your resume so you can go do it again. Uh, And then hopefully you make enough money to eat along the way and maybe make yourself a nice profit too. You know, great deals will always attract capital and there's plenty of capital out there. There may be plenty of capital right there in Nairobi. Maybe you have to go outside the market to somewhere else in Kenya. Maybe it's another country, but if it's a good deal and the part you have to figure out is, is it a good deal? What does it look like? What's the return? And then as Russ said, learn to tell that story. You're bringing huge value when you bring a package deal to somebody. So don't discount that. But at the same time, I think you made a great point, Russ. Don't be greedy either. You're just trying to get a chip in the game. And if you can add value to all these professionals that will be involved and to the money and to yourself, awesome. We think that real estate syndication is one of the greatest tools on planet Earth because of this very thing. So we wish you a lot of luck, Bernard. I was in Kenya last year and it was beautiful. I didn't stop long enough to really check out the housing opportunities though. So keep us posted. Hey, it's Ask the Guys, your questions and our answers. This next question comes from Ali in Frisco, Texas. Hey guys, just purchased the Future of Money and Wealth video series and I'll be at the Summit at Sea as well next year. Wow, what an eye-opener the Future of Money and Wealth has been. You guys have provided me with so much knowledge and education and I can't thank you all enough. little background on me, I'm a 23-year-old corporate America employee who is trying to get out and make real estate my full-time job. I personally am constantly going to meetups, learning as much info as I can from great investors like yourselves and I'm trying to find ways to syndicate deals. With no track record, this is very difficult to do. My goal has now been to try to add value and provide sweat equity with an experienced investor who maybe needs help in part of his or her business. Am I going about this the right way? And in the meantime, should I allocate some of my earnings and invest in gold? All right, well, we'll hold that second part to the end, but we will get to that. I think you are on the right track. And when you're young and you have a lot of enthusiasm and passion and desire, but you don't have a lot of money, you're looking for the person who is the exact opposite of that. They're busy as can be. They're stressed about time. They have money. They have deal flow. They have experience, but they need hustle. They need to have folks that can get stuff done. And I think you could add a ton of value that way and learn along the way. If you come to our Secrets of Successful Syndication class, you'll hear my story of getting into syndication, which was coming along passively as an investor, soaking up the knowledge and learning all I could from the promoters and sponsors. And then lo and behold, it grew into a very successful business. So I think you're going about it exactly the right way. I'm sure Russ has probably some thoughts as well. No, I totally agree. I think you're getting educated, which is great. More important than that, you're investing in developing relationships, which is even better. You've got a clear goal. You seem to have some patience. One of the most valuable assets you have right now, in addition to your youth and in 
enthusiasm is you've got that corporate job. You, I hope, have a good credit score, and that is leverageable, meaning that you can bring your credit to another investor. You may not have a lot of money, but an investor who has money who needs a fresh credit score can become a partner and you can do some type of a deal together that way. So don't discount the value of a good credit score and documentable income uh, because you have access to very, very cheap capital in today's market. Uh, and uh, obviously, I think if you've watched the Future of Money and Wealth series, you can see the value in getting into debt, especially getting into good debt with real estate in, in an environment like this. It's kind of antithetical to the way a lot of people think. We don't have time to explain all the reasons why obviously we I think do a pretty good job of explaining that in future of money and wealth the other part about getting connected with people uh, to syndicate deals I totally come to the secrets of successful syndication the summit's going to be great you should be there too that's where you get a chance to hang around with a bunch of very successful people who can take you under their wing believe me uh, because we, we have a real passion for young folks uh, on the summit and uh, us older folks love to uh, invest some of our wisdom and experience uh, into those young lives and watch and see what happens. So that's great. And so that can work out really well. You know, Russ, we're, we're pressed on time, but I will say that our young adult program is for folks that are 25 years or younger. So you could be a great candidate for that, Ali. I think uh, as far as the gold discussion, it's going to kind of tie into our next question. So rather than just should you invest your gold, we don't tell people what they should do. We don't give advice, but we do have ideas. And you probably know from watching the future of money and wealth that we have opinions and we have friends who have strong opinions about the metals. So let's jump into our next question, and I think we'll be able to reveal some of the answers to that, Ali. This question comes from Quentin. He's in Mahomet, Illinois. Hey, guys, we're seeing the value of the dollar go down, so why not buy $25,000 worth of gold and use the gold as collateral by leveraging against it, then use the leverage funds to invest in cash flow real estate that has long-term fixed debt? If the economy or the U.S. dollar tanks, then your collateral, the gold, prices go up, all while your real estate cash flow asset makes money from its various profit centers like cash flow and appreciation and so on. I'm not sure of any big downsides, but I never hear people talk about leveraging against gold. Do you see downsides? Well, I will tell you, leveraging against gold is something that has been on our mind for a long, long time. We don't have time to go into the entire story but I know that our financial strategist has something to say on this. Yeah, well, first of all, gold is money. I believe that. And I think J.P. Morgan famously said that in a testimony in front of the Congress way back in the day. Uh, and so a lot of people have forgotten that it's only been the last 50 years or so that gold hasn't been money in the world. For the rest of most of recorded human history, gold has been money. I think there's a good possibility it's going to come back and eventually be money again. Central banks have been loading up on it. Maybe they know something about the currencies they print that uh, the man on the street ought to know. So I don't think it's a bad idea to take some of your liquid reserves and put them into gold. I wouldn't consider gold an investment. Gold is a place to store wealth, just like cash. It's just that it protects you uh, from cash failing. Gold has a longer track record of success. As far as the leverage question goes, it's a great one. I mean, it's no different than if you had a CD that was locked up for a long period of time or a piece of real estate that was locked up and you had equity in it and you wanted to free the equity up to use it elsewhere. So borrowing against gold is just like borrowing against real estate or borrowing against life insurance 
insurance or borrowing against any other asset that you own to be able to hold the upside potential of the asset, but also be able to put the cash to work. That equation always just comes down to being able to provide the cash flow to service all of the debt involved. And that's the danger. That's always the danger. It's not unique to leveraging gold. It's unique to leverage in general. If you lose control of the cash flow, everything leveraged unravels. And that's the downside. But if you've done the math and you feel very comfortable, and one of my favorite things is to use very conservative, very stable sources of income uh, to guarantee assets that I really want to hold long term. So, you know, instead of maybe buying a cash flow piece of real estate that could have the potential to go down in value or lose rents, I might want to be more conservative and invest in a high yield mortgage where I have protective equity and I don't have as much downside risk. I probably don't have as much upside potential, but I have that with my gold. Uh, so anyway, we could spend more time on that, but we don't have time. But you're thinking the right way, Quentin. I like your thinking. I think downside is against any time you are leveraging collateral, that collateral has a change in value. When I leverage against real estate, if my house value goes down, no big deal. The lender isn't calling and making what we call a margin call in the stock business. So there is no margin call in real estate. And there might be a margin call in gold, depending on how it was set up. And if you think gold prices are going to go down, well, that could be a concern. A lot of gold bugs are happy with what's happening in gold. And if you're interested in gold, we would strongly urge you to come on out to the New Orleans Investment Conference. Happens the first week of November in, obviously, New Orleans. We go every year, and it's a resource conference. You learn a ton about gold and silver and platinum and palladium and mining and oil and gas and real estate. Plus, you get to hang out with the real estate guys. Just send an email to New Orleans at realestateguysradio.com. You get all the details about the event and our super secret, super fun sweet party. Now, just to tie back to Ali's question, one of the things about gold that is great, Ali, is, yeah, it's not an investment. It doesn't create cash flow. It doesn't really have tax benefits to speak of, but it's easy to buy in small amounts. So if you're not making enough money to put into real estate yet, you can buy a few ounces of silver or an ounce of gold or a half ounce of gold. So it's preserving your purchasing power, which you either leave there in the metals, which is what many people do, or you're just preserving it so that when you're ready to make one of those big investments in property or in a syndication along with one of these partners you're going to put together, that you have that. So... That is uh, out of time for today. Gosh, great questions. We'll do this show again because we do it every six or eight weeks. Keep your questions coming. Just go to realestateguysradio.com and click the button that says Ask the Guys. Next week, it's another fabulous show. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.